hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Glad You're Here on HappyProductions.live. Man, have we got an awesome guest for you. I am excited to introduce everybody to Chris O'Brien. We got him on the phone here. He's going to be chatting with us for the next hour or so. Chris, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well, Grant. I'm just um, kind of recovering from uh, the big Blue Rocks Music Festival and uh, spent a little time up in northern Wisconsin. Oh, man, I uh, I love it. I, I was also at Blue Ox this weekend, and I, I, we talked a little bit earlier, but for the listeners out there, it's one of those things where you go to a music festival, you come home feeling exhausted and refreshed at the same time, and it's it's hard to explain to anybody that hasn't had that experience, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that's well put. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things. Did you did you have a... Uh, I, it's, I, I don't like favorites in music, but did you have a set that really blew you away this weekend by anybody? You know, um, gosh, I saw so much great stuff, but I, you know, I think Del McCurry for me was uh, was really a special one. I had, um, you know, I had seen him once or twice before, but not really with his whole band, with his sons playing with him and everything. And I was just really, um, it was it was kind of an uplifting set. I thought in the afternoon, and you know, just to hear him at uh, eighty years old or eighty three, whatever he is, just. Um, really in great form and so yeah. powerful with his voice and very cool for for sure he was he was putting on a bit of a clinic up there i mean going out there in a suit in 95 degree weather right he he's an old pro well southern guys they somehow he looked not as hot as me <laughs> <laughs> and i was definitely not wearing a suit no i i hear you i was i was in shorts and a t-shirt and come like one o'clock every day i, I think i was ready to go lay down you know yeah yeah for uh, sure well, uh, not not only did you did you see Del McCurry while you were there, but you were also putting putting on a little thing with the the Pollock String Band. You guys had your own little what would you call it? Little booth over not a booth. It was like a camping section almost. Yeah, almost like a, a compound or something. Yeah, we've uh, done this. Uh, this is the third or fourth year that they've done that at, at Blue Ox, and you know those guys. Um, I've I've been fortunate to know them for a few years now, and and they started doing kind of a big thing like that uh, out at Telluride Bluegrass years ago, and then they kind of brought it to both in Bluegrass down in Winona, and then a few years ago, the guys from Pertnier Sandstone had uh, approached them about, you know, doing kind of a late-night picking area at at Blue Ox and really making it official. The, uh, the landowners there um, built some really neat benches and, like, a big permanent fire pit and... Um, just to make it kind of a nice little meeting spot, so yeah, uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I uh, I got to tell you, I, I ventured I ventured over there one day in the afternoon because Siri from Humbird was putting on a songwriting clinic with um, I uh, now I'm gonna forget his name from them Cooley Boys. What, what was it, Paul? Yeah, I I'll, I'll mess up names, so don't call me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so, yeah so, I, I, I saw that too. It was great. Yeah, it was it was awesome, and I, I got to see you guys' setup. It was it was a pretty cool like welcoming area over there. I, I mean, it was it was just an awesome thing, and it's it's one of those things where you just everyone's coming together for the music, and we're it, it reminds us that there's more that brings us together than separates us at the end of the day, right? And that's that's kind of one of those cool things that I think we all we all needed to, something like that this weekend after you know <laughs> everything that happened. Yeah, I I agree. You know, I think that's that's something really special about um, that kind of scene and those and those bands. There's just a lot of real. Uh, sharing of you know um 
tips and tricks, you know, in the music world, but also just even for folks that weren't musicians necessarily that just have an interest in it. Everybody's very uh, open to kind of sharing uh, their their gift, whatever that might be, you know. Yeah, exactly. And speaking speaking of gifts, Chris, you're you're a busy man who seems to have quite a few quite a few gifts himself that you're you're sharing with the world. I mean, Potluck String Band. Not only did you guys have a you know a little compound set up at Blue Ox, but you're you're playing with them on a, a new record they're putting out, aren't you? Yes, yes, and um, I think it's in the final stages of mixing, and they recorded it at their um, kind of gathering spot they have down in Richfield, Minnesota. Um, you know, the, that band, sort of the genesis of that band was every Friday night they would just have like a potluck. And, you know, people would bring well, something to share to eat and everyone would get together and play. And then it sort of evolved into a legitimate band that's going out and playing all these shows. And um, I, I just was, uh, I, I kind of came in uh, by the seat of my pants. I had some family in from out of town the weekend they were doing it. And so I came in, um, you know, maybe just for like two or three hours one evening and laid down some stuff on the record. But I was just really impressed with um not, not just the songs, but the playing and the whole approach that they had to the record. So I think it's gonna be really neat. Cool. That'll that'll be awesome. What uh, what type of stuff were you playing for them on it? Um, you know, it was kind of all over the map. There was some pretty fast, kind of ripping bluegrass type stuff. There's also a couple really neat ballads. Um, Karin, the uh, fiddle player in that band, has written some some just great stuff. Uh, the the one that that comes to mind is called A Long Time Ago. And uh, we'll have to uh, get that song to you guys there at uh, Happy Studios once we. I think that'll be a, a pretty good one. Please, please do. We will. Uh, we will play the hell out of it. I, I for sure. Um, were you Were you cutting guitar for him or, or like banjo or what were you cutting for him? Uh, resonator guitar. Oh, remember. very cool. Yep. And um, yeah, I've been since I've been playing. You know, I, I came at the whole thing playing uh, electric slide guitar for years in a kind of more of an electrified rock band. And then when I started playing Dobro, um, it was kind of a nice entry point to kind of more of the bluegrass Americana scene. And now I've been able to play with quite a few folks. And um, and that's really been, been pretty neat. Um, obviously, Potluck being one of them. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun to be the guy who, who gets to go out and play with all sorts of different musicians, right? And, and just kind of... I get get your cup filled and anywhere anywhere you go. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. How, how how long have you been playing been playing resonator guitar for? Um, I would say something like maybe twelve years at this point. And you know maybe been playing guitar in general about twice that long. And you know I I guess I started on acoustic guitar and then kind of moved into playing electric slide guitar. You know almost like a you know, kind of a Dwayne Allman influence. And then so when I came into the bluegrass thing, I had a little bit more of a blues um, background th- than really a bluegrass. Uh, but that's been kind of fun. And I, I just got a new instrument, um, a mule guitar, if you're familiar with those. Uh, Charlie Barr plays one. And really excited about that. Uh, so yeah, the resonator thing is is great. I've I've gone pretty deep down the rabbit hole. <laughs> it's a it's a good rabbit hole to uh, to be living in. That's that's for sure. Is your uh, I, I, I your your wife or significant other is she trying to get that mule guitar out of your hands because you're playing it ten hours a day? Is that where you're at still? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, I 
the thing actually shipped to my uh, place in St. Paul, and it arrived like the day after I was at Blue Ox. Oh. And I had friends that were playing a show Friday night in Minneapolis, and I had been talking about, it was like an album release for them, the Bob, the Bob Pat Band, they're called. And between that and then the mule being in St. Paul, I figured it was worth making a little trek back. So I did that, <laughs> and I brought the... I brought the mule back to the festival late uh, Friday night. That's that's awesome. So you did the. I, I guess it's it's like a two hour round trip to St. Paul from Eau Claire, right? Um, yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah, that's 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 a well worthwhile trip to go go get a brand new toy and and bring it back to the campsite and be able to show off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So it was fun, but yeah, I'm just kind of still getting acquainted with the instrument. Um, that's always sort of a fun thing when you have a have a new guitar you know yeah it, it, this this is going to sound like a really like a really naive question but like you know dobros and resonators they they look like a regular well they don't look like a regular guitar but they have six strings on on a wood fretboard right is it similar to play them or do you have to like retrain your brain when you're playing a new instrument like that going from like the electric slide guitar like you used to and moving to the to the resonator you know i I think it's similar. It, it's um, one of the things that um, kind of to get the sound that, that I like to hear from a resonator. I mean, there's not really any right or wrong way to do it, but to, to get that sort of iconic sound, um, finger picks are a big part of it. And so um, as someone who played, you know, I played um, just with my fingers usually, like on kind of a three-finger technique on electric slide guitar. And so I'm doing a similar thing, but I'm using finger picks. And finger picks... Cool. You know, it's just like anything, you gotta really, it takes a while to get used to them, I think. So that maybe that right hand part um, is definitely different. And then also just playing in the bluegrass kind of rhythms was a learning curve for me. Yeah, doing doing a little bit of hillbilly jazz, huh? Yeah, you know, and it's kind of, there's definitely some uh, relationship to the banjo, you know, where there's similar kind of rolls, I guess they call it, little patterns that you're doing with your right hand um, on a resonator. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, it's um, it's been just a lot of fun, and and then when I go back and play electric guitar, it sort of in, informs that too. So that's been kind of neat, and I feel like I can even just the speed that you build up by playing in the bluegrass circles is nice to have if you need it. You know, yeah, you can you can always pull that pull that trick out of your hat anytime, and right. I, yeah, no, that's that's an awesome thing. When you're, I guess, do you do you have like a, a f- this I, I again that favorite question, but like, do you have any resonator guitar players out there that like really, uh, n- no pun intended, really resonate with you? That uh, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. That that really are kind yeah. of drew you to the instrument. Yeah, well, yeah, and and I think um, so. You know, the, going back to you know the the old Latin Scruggs days, Uncle Josh Turner was kind of one of the guys that sort of wrote the book on it. And then um, Jerry Douglas is just an amazing resonator player. You know, he's kind of a lot of people would probably put him towards the top of the heap. Um, and and one of the things I really like about him is that you know, not only does he have this really impressive technical ability, but, you know, some of the melodic stuff that he does and these his kind of bluesy riffs and things are just, um, it's just really tasty stuff. And so when you can, you can do that and have that kind of flash and speed that something like that has, and it's pretty impressive. 
Yeah, if, uh, if 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 you walked into a room and saw Jerry Douglas sitting there with a resonator guitar, would you want to play with them or would you walk out because you're like, I can't do this. I can't I can't do this next to this no, guy. I would love to play with them. <laughs> and, and I think, like, I'd love to play the mule with them, too, because it's, like, a different enough thing. You know, I, so in, in the bluegrass circles, what's, you know, referred to as dobro is generally a, you know, high-action resonator guitar you play on your lap. Um, usually uh, tuned to open G, and I'm, what I'm doing is quite a bit different, um, which I think is good just because, you know, it's, it's pretty tough to ever um, get to the level of somebody like Jerry Douglas, so I've kind of chosen to just, like, I'm just going to do something completely different you know, to some extent. Nice. And I play in standard guitar tuning, and I'm playing it, you know, like a, they call it round neck style, but it's, you know, holding it like a normal guitar. Um, and then the sound of something like a mule is a little bit different, a little punchier maybe than the bluegrass sound of a resonator. So it's just, it, it, it would be fun to hear those two instruments together, I think. Yeah. They're different enough. That would be that would be an awesome album. I think that should be we should add that project onto your list, right? A little uh, <laughs> <laughs> little duo with Jerry Douglas. Yeah, he's um, I would imagine a fairly busy guy, but um, yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll pull some strings. We'll make some calls. We'll see what we can do for you. Um, yeah, no, I, that's that's cool. When you, so you play in standard tuning, was that a conscious choice or was it just something? you know just kind of fall into it because when you start playing guitar obviously you start in standard did you just kind of keep doing that when you when you switched over or what, what was the reason I, in there I think um, for me I I had messed around a little bit with some open tunings and then you know there's always kind of a give and take you know there's certain types of things that are that are more conducive to certain tunings um, the, the thing that I like about the standard guitar tuning I think is especially kind of minor bluesier stuff it really lends itself to that. Um, and then also, I think just, you know, all the years of trying to learn the guitar, and, and I still feel like there's so much more to learn, that, you know, I didn't want to get into a situation where I'm, where I'm thinking about it too much. You know, I feel yeah. like there's still, even within the standard guitar tuning, there's just um, a fairly endless well of things to figure out and learn and come up with. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a never ending it's a never ending thing and it's you know, I mean you could be you could be like A C D C I mean no not to rip on A C D C and you could make the same record with the same three blues riffs the whole your whole career. Yeah. Or you know, or or you could try and constantly be learning and growing and creating new things. And you're right, there is so many sounds that you can get out of a you know, just standard tuning on a guitar. I had a f- funny little story about it's it's in middle school, I was learning guitar, and I had a buddy of mine who was learning to play drums. So you know, you start those like middle school bands, where neither of you are any good. You, you know that whole deal. Well, we we started one of those one time, and and this guy this guy told me that this is a phrase I'll never forget. He's like, yeah, I just like the drums because I can make so many more sounds with the drums than you can with a guitar. And <laughs> in his defense, at the time, he was probably right because I <laughs> I couldn't make more than you know G, C, and D. Um, but there's a lot more. I, I not to rip on drummers either. Drummers are integral to so many bands and, and sounds. But I st- I do believe you can make more sound to the guitar than the drums. I'll I'll die on that hill if I have to. Well, the guitar can kind of be a drum too, you know. Yeah. That, that's another thing about resonators that's kind of fun is that you can get this kind of like a mandolin. You can get that kind of chuck. Yeah. And um, you know where you're in in the string band setting, you're kind of the snare drum almost of the band at times. 
Yeah, that that's true. I mean, you get you can add a lot of a lot of different flavors. So, what's your what's your kind of favorite way to like you know play play with a band? Are you do you do you like when you get to kind of play? They're like, hey, we're working on songs. You want to come in and work on these with us? Or they're like, hey, we wrote this song. Can you see what you can come up with? Or they're like, hey, we want you to just play this part. Like, what's kind of how, what's kind of your style when it comes to playing with new musicians? How do you how do you like for that to work for you? That's a good question. I think um, I, I've I've been fortunate to approach it a lot of different ways. Everything from being like the guy writing the song and leading the band to coming in really cold, um, you know, playing shows sometimes where I don't even know most of the material until I hear it. <laughs> um, and so I think you know I've tried to develop that skill too of you know just really playing by ear and listening close to what everybody's doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think um, I think my probably my favorite is sort of somewhere in the middle where, you know, there there's a foundation maybe to what's going on and um but but there's still room to um once they contribute and kinda of come up with some of the creative part of the song. You know, that's kinda of been my approach with working with uh, Modell. I know you guys know Modell. Oh yeah. And he's you know, he's very open to um you know, to me being kind of part of that creative process. Um but on the other hand, he's also a guy that goes home and plays, you know, 150 plus shows by himself. So, I mean, he's got a thing ready to go that that I can just step into. And so, I think if you've got the the, the ability to have that foundation, and then I can something solid that I can play against, I really like that. You know, and then if the personality is there, where we can actually, you know, contribute creatively as well. You know, that's that's kind of the best that's that's the gold that's the gold mine right where it's yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone's everyone's driving together and that's that's the reason that's the reason people pick up a, an instrument in the first place is for that for that human connection that we kind of talked about earlier earlier in the show um and you know we got we got about 10 minutes here before we got to thank our sponsors so there is one of your songs that i want to get to and i want to i want to give you a chance to kind of intro this project because uh not to steer too far away from the resonator talk but th- i'm really excited about this echoes from iron ore project that you were working on um yeah, thank you. I, I don't yeah i don't want to i don't want to ruin the surprise I, I think i'll just hand the hand the baton to you and let you tell tell the listeners the story of kind of what happened there what what you what you worked on yeah you know so i had um I had some songs written that I'd been sort of sitting on for a while, and actually a few that had been recorded in other bands and kind of other arrangements, and, and I, I wanted to do a project um, up at like a wilderness-type cabin, and um, my my good friend uh, Brady Barnstable bought a place um, up off the Gunflint Trail, like right at the, oh, yeah. actually like the entry point to the Boundary Waters, and... I got him on board this idea of doing a, a project up there, and then I called up uh, Dave Simonette from uh, Trample by Turtles, and he, you know, he does some producing. Um, I had worked with him um, on a project with the Main North, another uh, string band, and I know that Dave is also big into like he's like a big Rolling Stones fan, and he kind of likes the blues rock stuff that I'm into as well. And I called him up, and you know kind of pitched this idea to him and he was he's really excited about it and then he brought in um a great engineer that works with trampled by turtles uh, named adam krinsky and essentially what we did was kind of put a band together i I brought in a couple people and dave brought in a couple people and then we went up for like three days to this cabin um this was in march so there was still 
you know, snow and ice on the lake. Yeah. And it was kind of at the end of COVID time, I guess, the lockdown or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yep. You know, everybody had to get tested and stuff to go up there. Uh, and, you know, a lot of these guys hadn't played in a while either because of that whole thing that we all went through. So it was kind of a neat thing, too, where, you know, a lot of these folks hadn't been in a recording studio or anything in a year or more. Well, they were hungry. Yeah, it was, it was definitely that kind of vibe. And um, it was just a really neat experience. And, and so I think uh, the, the goal was to was to do vinyl, which is something I'd never done before, too, and we ended up doing, like, a Kickstarter to kind of take the thing over the finish line and, and have money to press the vinyl and all that. Um, and it just, yeah, the whole thing just, I think, turned out nice, and um, we're giving, uh, I, I kind of partnered up with Save the Boundary Waters to um, give, uh, like, half of the proceeds of each album sale goes to them uh, for cool. what they're doing to kind of protect that area. And um, it's just been a neat project. Yeah, and it's 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 cool as hell to listen to. It's it's just an awesome thing. Um, did you guys? Did you guys? Well, so you're up at the cabin for three days. Did you take any breaks and go on like portage in for a night or two? Go go into the Boundary Waters at all? We we didn't stay overnight anywhere, but um, on like I think every morning a few of us um, walked into one of the Boundary Waters lakes when lakes felt fishing. Oh yeah. <laughs> up at like 6 in the morning go fish till 9 30 10 and then we record the rest of the day till you know pretty late into the night and um yeah it was just it, it was that was part of the thing too was to try to really um make sure that everybody felt like they're just having kind of like a fun experience and, and if somebody wasn't um currently doing something you know in the studio they're they're free to move about the boundary waters you know, so, you know, it ended up being a really nice weekend too you know it's probably like 35 38 degrees you know yeah. up there it's nice in the winter yeah that's it sounds like a perfect environment to, to make a record and get those creative juices flowing and I, yeah. I gotta ask Chris who's the best fisherman of the bunch <laughs> you know Brady uh, seemed to be the guide of the whole thing, so I would I would probably have to say he was the he was the best. <laughs> Got it. Was he was he bringing home lake trout for you guys? Were you doing fish fries every night in between uh, yeah, in between I mean, sessions? So he was doing among other things. We had like lake trout tacos going on. Oh man, he a great cook. So he kind of took on the camp cook um, role pretty quick. And you know, I was telling him if it was up to me, I probably wouldn't have eaten anything the whole weekend. <laughs> so <laughs> it was good to have somebody looking out for me in that. Uh, it's it's always good to have have that guy who, who who knows what he's doing up there and you know and and really like for for me it's 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 usually my brother or somebody will will end up up there and and I'm like wow maybe I'm not a quote unquote real man when it comes to this stuff but I'm glad that I got one with me you know what I mean yeah there's always somebody better at this stuff than ex- you ex- exactly <laughs> it it never fails which is is fine with me I'm fine I'm fine with being surrounded by people that are that are better than me at stuff that's hey that's the way to do it um well chris we got we got a few minutes before we got to go and thank our sponsors here so i was thinking what if we play a song from that record come back chat a little bit more about it um and kind of go from there i got i got ptarmigan lake pulled up here does that sound like a good one to kind of intro people to echoes from iron ore yeah yeah that sounds really good i think that's a good example of kind of the drum sound and stuff that we were able to get in this old wooden cabin and um you know i i my hope was that you know this would sound like it would kind of take on the character of the place where we did it you know and i think 
I think we accomplished that, you know, especially when you hear this tune. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. And I think the listeners are gonna agree too. So I will I will throw this one on and we'll come back and we'll chat a little bit more about it and how you got those sounds and, and really captured the essence of the of the BWCA up there and, and we'll chat a bit more about saving the boundary waters too. So you're you're listening to Glad You're Here and Happy Productions live. We are live on the air with Chris O'Brien. Here is Tarmian Lake from Echoes of Iron Ore, his recent project recorded up in a cabin on the Gunflint Trail for three days with uh, Dave Simonet, Brady Barnstable, and Adam Krinsky. So here you are, Tarmigan Lake on Echoes from Iron Ore. Glad you're here. Wake up! What? What? Wait, what's happening? Trigger, wake up! Well, that's annoying. It's time. Time for what? Time for the fair. Wait, no, the state fair isn't until the end of August. I know, I'm probably not going. No, better than that. The Lax County Fair, it's exactly two months from today, June 10. It's August 10 to 14, and you're going to be there too. So besides moi, who else is going to be there? Well, Blue Horse Theater will be there all four days. We also have Stipe Carvels, Paul Bunyan. Paul Bunyan? That guy's my hero. Mandana. Like the material girl? She's the balloon artist. Dave the yo-yo guy, pioneer photography. Well, that's... Wait, there's more! You can throw axes, drive a combine in the Egg Inspire simulator, ride a mechanical bull, and do an art project with Arts Garden for All. That's still a mouthful. Sounds like there's something for everyone, young or old. Yep, and don't forget about the open class exhibits, the 4-H animal shows, and the glorious food. All without the millions of people that make it hard to move. So see, better than the state fair. I guess so. And with current gas prices, less expensive to get to. Exactly. So come to the Mille Lacs County Fair, August 10 to 14, 2022, Princeton, Minnesota. Follow us on Facebook or check the schedule at MilleLacsCountyFair.com. If you're facing legal issues or have legal questions regarding personal injury litigation, wills, trusts, and estates, criminal defense, or contracts of any kind, call me, Attorney Patrick Moore, 763-401-4646. I'll assess your situation and give you honest advice and practical solutions. Joslyn Moore Law Office in Isani, 763-401-4646. Joslyn Moore. Variety is the spice of Linner. Join me, Jara, weekday afternoons for the biggest and best variety of music. More happiness, less crappiness. Happyproductions.live. Welcome back to Glad You're Here. We are live on the air chatting with Chris O'Brien about most recently we were chatting about his project Echoes from Iron Ore. We just played a song Tarmigan Lake from that project. Excuse me. Before we kicked that off, Chris, you were telling us how cool it was to be able to capture those sounds in the cabin of that, you know, a real drum sound in a cabin, get those, like, echoes, not, pun not intended, but but get that, that real-life kind of reverb on the, on everything. How were you guys able to capture capture the sound of the Boundary Waters on a record? What, what went into all that? I think... Um one of the things that was that was helpful was just to really get on the same page with Adam, the engineer, beforehand. That that everything we were doing was really to capture um, a good performance, you know. And, and even though this this pseudo band that we put together wasn't really like a polished band that had played shows together, you know, a lot of us knew each other, and you know, I think everybody kind of trusted each other musically, and and so we just wanted to really lean on. Um, getting a performance versus trying to get something real clean and isolated because we knew that 
um, you know, you know, a 30 foot long room or whatever it was, there's, there's no way to, you know, make sure that the drums aren't coming into the vocals or coming into this. And, you know, that being said, we also know that, you know, a lot of those old, you know, Risa Franklin records and Van Morrison and stuff. I mean, that's where they used to do stuff. It's just a band playing in a room. So that's, that's what we were trying to capture. Yeah, there's there is a there is a long history of that, and I, I think you you guys certainly certainly did capture that. How how big did you say the cabin was again? You know, I I was just ballparking it, maybe about thirty or forty feet long by twenty feet wide, and, and you know that was including where we had to set up the soundboard. We had that laid out on a big uh, farm table, and then there were two um, little bedrooms kind of coming off of the main room, and one was. Uh, kind of repurposed as our little vocal booth. So there was, it was kind of nice because there, the, we got a little bit of isolation on the vocals because we wanted to, I wanted to be singing at the same time the drums and everything were going on because we didn't want to like deconstruct the song and then try to put it back together. We really wanted to get like the live vocal with the drums playing at the same time. And we were able to get a little bit of isolation um, between those you know, the drums and the vocals while also I could still have eye contact with Ryan, our drummer. And, um, and it worked out well. You know, the other uh, little bedroom had a, this old um, Leslie uh, rotating speaker cabinet, um, which is like a piece of furniture in and of itself, like this big old thing. <laughs> and uh, we were running the organ into that. And, yeah, we just, it, it was it was neat, you know. And, and the Definitely, the place has kind of a sound of its own, and it's you know it's all wood and it's an old like nineteen sixties uh, cabin. Yeah, and they've they've got they've got a sound of their own. They got a life of their own, and that that life and sound both both definitely are breathed into the record and. The the fact that you know a bunch of guys were were in a room in a couple of rooms for for three days recording it also gives gives it something too. I mean, it's kind of like that um, you know music from the Big Pink from the band, right? Where they went and lived in that yeah. lived in not was it a farmhouse or a barn or something up in up in upstate New York, but. Yeah, stuff like that bleeds into the record, like you were talking about with like Aretha Franklin and all of those classic people getting a live sound in a room, um, and it's it's cool, and I love that you guys did it, and you did it for you know up in the BWCA, and that you're doing some some proceeds to help save the Boundary Waters. That's that's a super cool way to do it too. So so tell me more about that, like your your uh, your I was gonna say interaction, but your your partnership with the beat with the save the BWCA. Yeah, you know, um, I had kind of in the back of my mind going into this that it might be neat to do some kind of a um, conservation bent to what we were doing, but it, we didn't really have anything in mind. And then once the, the album was completed in terms of the recording and we were starting to get the ducks in a row to actually press the vinyl and all that, um, I called up, uh, it, it turns out, so I used to work for um, Minnesota DNR years ago, in uh, communications, and at the time, the the head of the DNR was Tom Landweir, and he was um, now like you know a year ago or, or whenever this was uh, with Echoes Myronar, he uh, was the head of Save the Boundary Waters, and so I kind of called him up and explained what we were doing, and maybe there's a chance to kind of partner, and he was just very supportive and all about it. He's like a big Allman Brothers fan. I come to find out. Cool. He, um, he liked the music, and you know, so it was um, it was neat. And then you know, those guys kind of helped promote it a little bit while we were doing our. Um, we did a Kickstarter 
to kind of uh, raise a few funds to do the vinyl pressing. And, um, you know, now we put the logo of Save the Boundary Waters on the actual vinyl, and um, half of each record sold is going to go back to them for the conservation work that they're doing. So it's kind of a neat thing. Very, very cool. That's that's an awesome cause for any for anybody listening out there. It, it that that's just a huge cause. And if you if you if you haven't been up to the BWCA, you need to go at least once in your lifetime. It is it is a once in a lifetime trip. And I, last year, I think it was last was it last year they had it. They had all those wildfires up there. Yeah. Um. You know. And so it just it's it's a great thing to go and always be supporting. And all, all the dollars you spend, even in those little communities, like if you go up to Ely, however you want to go in, that helps you know, bolster those local economies too that kind of run on the Boundary Waters traffic. So for anybody looking for a summer vacation, here's, here's my spiel. It's it's worth a trip up there. Put on the Echoes from the Iron Ore record on the way up and on the way back. Listen to it by your campsite. It's gonna fit right in with everything you're doing. So I think I think that's a cool way. I'm a big fan of I'm a big fan of music that fits like, you know, seasons or moods or things like that, right? Do you kind of feel that? Oh absolutely. Yeah. Yeah like, I, I think um I think that's that's a cool thing about music too, is that it becomes kind of a soundtrack to these experiences that you have with your friends and family, and um, certainly the Boundary Waters. Anytime I've done a trip up there, it's always been a, an experience. And sometimes it's that uh, they call it type two fun, where it's it's fun in retrospect, but when you're actually <laughs> up there, it's like a lot of work. <laughs> uh, it 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 certainly can be. I. I uh, I don't know about you, but but when I've gone a few times, I've not been the one to plan the trip, and so I've gone up, and it's like, all right, we portage day one, we paddle day two, portage day three, paddle day four, and I would always be like, why don't we just portage to one campsite and just stay there for four days? Why am I hiking every day? You know what I mean? Um, but you get to the end of it, and you're like, oh, I am so grateful for that experience and having gone that deep into the woods, and you know, I realize if I would have stayed at that one campsite, I wouldn't have saw that moose swimming next to me or that bear, you know, in the wild that didn't even care that it was 50 feet from me it, like th- those cool experiences that you get out of it are just a once in a lifetime thing and man if if you so the, the other cool thing about this record for for me it's kind of it's kind of become a campfire record I like to put it on when, when me and my girlfriend are camping um but was were there songs that like changed once you got up there so you said you'd written a lot of them but like once you got to the cabin where you're like oh this is this is different now like did anything change throughout the recording process yeah, I, I think a lot of them, um, I, I tried not to go into it with too much expectation about exactly what the arrangements and things were going to sound like. And um, Dave, you know, we talked about, I said, you know, do you want, I can send you, you know, scratch recordings of all this stuff. I said, unless you just want to hear it for the first time up there. And he <laughs> said, you know, I, I think I do just want to hear it the first time in the cabin. And and then he um he was just really cool to work with him. In particular, he had a lot of um, input on kind of the drums sound. And um, Ryan Sewar, who's a guy I've known for a long time, was a drummer on the record, and a really great drummer. Um, but Dave would, you know, do things like, on a few songs, you know, have him take all the cymbals off, except for the hi-hat, you know. So because there's a temptation as a drummer, you know, sometimes you want to just kind of crash that one cymbal that yeah. you really like. and. You know, there. So I think Dave was—he was able to be the guy to say, you know what, on this on this song, we really want to go minimal with the drums um, in terms of, you know, that that type of frequency, and really just concentrate on the kick and the snare kind of thing. Um, so stuff like that, I think I was really happy with. You know, even some of the like um, 
tambourine stuff or, you know, just like those little embellishments are things that I probably wouldn't have even thought of. Um, but having somebody like Dave, you know, with that ear is really helpful. Yeah, and, and those those little embellishments, like you said, they're they're kind of what give the record the space and, and also the little flares every now and then, like like you were talking about. Yeah. Um so it feels it feels really spacious. So like even though you guys were in were in a twenty by thirty cabin or, or however it was, it feels big. It feels larger than life. It feels like the boundary riders. I, I know I sound like a broken record when I say that, but I'm just I'm just ecstatic about this this record that you guys made. Um, and so on that note of being excited about it, I haven't even given you a chance to like tell people where they can find it. Where where can people go get the record if they want to hear it? Well, we have a have a website echoesfromironore.com. And you can uh, order the record there. I also have it at uh, it's at the Electric Fetus in Minneapolis record shop. Cool. And then um, one of the things I was really pumped about is I have it for sale at my favorite uh, fly shop in Minneapolis. You know, I'm, I love the fish. Yeah. And so Mend Provisions is called in South Minneapolis. You can go in there, and they've got a little display, and uh, you can go in and. You know, get a few flies or buy a buy a shirt for your next Bounty Waters trip, and you can pick the record up right there at the fly shop. <laughs> I I love that. That's that's so awesome. How did do you? Do, I'm guessing you you probably stop in there enough where they know you, right? Do they know you down at Men's Fly Shop? Yeah, I've I've known Mike, uh, the owner, for quite a long time, and you know, again, it was like I I called him up just throwing out this wild idea, like, hey, you think you'd ever want to have a vinyl record? <laughs> For sale, and he's like, "Oh yeah, absolutely, let's do it." You know, <laughs> that's awesome. No, no questions asked. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty cool. That's... He does kind of cool stuff with his merchandising in there, and um, just a really cool store. I mean, if anybody's not stopped in there, I, I highly recommend. It. Even if you're not into fly fishing specifically, um, you know, it's just that there's all kinds of cool stuff in there to check out. Yeah, everybody out there, mend provisions down in South Minneapolis. Whereabouts down in South are they? It's, um, 28th Avenue and 42nd Street, roughly. Okay. Perfect. Kind of like, kind of in that Hiawatha Avenue sort of area. Yep. It's right around the, the corner from one of my favorite uh, Twin Cities uh, bars called uh, Buster's on 28th. There, great beer list down there. There you go. That sounds like that sounds like a good afternoon right there. Go stop mm-hmm. in, get get a vinyl record, pick up some fly fishing stuff, and then pop into Buster's for a beer and a burger. That's what I'm saying. Local I, businesses, you're supporting the Boundary Waters, you can check a lot of boxes there. You, 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 you certainly can. You are you're giving a lot of support to a lot of people. Um, do you guys do you guys have any shows coming up? Are you are you playing around with the band that you uh, that you put together for the record or anything like that? You know, um, a little bit, and we did a we did a, like a release show at uh, kind of a neat place up by Sandstone called Osprey Wilds. Uh, Environmental Learning Center, and th- this was um, last summer when the, when we first kind of had the digital version of the record ready. We didn't even have the vinyl yet, and we did like a little release show up there. And then we're doing an acoustic show. Well, we did one at the Fly Shop a few weeks back, and we're doing another acoustic show at the uh, Filson store in Edina. They have like their kind of flagship uh, store at the Galleria, and they like to support conservation stuff, and they've got really neat um again like you're looking for you know stuff for your boundary waters trip that filson store has some really really cool gear yeah so we're doing something there and then the big one uh for us is going to be in september uh 
we're going to play the Radio Waves Music Festival up in Grand Marais. That's uh, September 10th. Awesome. That'll be that'll be a great time. And se- I I will second the uh, the the Filson plug too because I I bought a pair of uh, pair of chaps for pheasant hunting. I think when I was like 18, and you know it's been been 12 years. I burned through one of them and I sent them out on the warranty and they were true to their word. They sent them right back with a brand new pair. Like it was, I don't know if it was brand new, they fixed the pair that I had, right? Uh, after about five years of use. So it was pretty, it was pretty wild. They're, they're pretty true to their word on that stuff. Um, not to, not to say Duluth Trading Company is not quality, but I've had good experiences with Filson. That's, that's what I got to say. I know they're, yeah. yeah, I know it's, I know it's competition and we got a local one and a Seattle one, but you know, it, good gear is good gear, right? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, so the September Radio Waves Festival up in up in Grand Marais coming up. Or yeah, the, uh, I'm losing my losing my mind, man. Uh, coming up up in Grand Marais. Who else is uh, going to be playing there with you? Um. So I was looking. I know uh, Rich Manson and the North Stars is one I'm excited about, and um, I should really uh, see if I could pull up the lineup. But that's that's a really neat one. I've I've been to the festival once before. And uh, they do it at when you kind of are driving into Grand Marais. Um, there's a big campground on the right-hand side of uh, 61 there, and so it's kind of like right by the lake. It's just a just a really cool outdoor thing, and such a nice time of year. Yeah, it's a great, great time of year to be to be up on the North Shore up in up in September, and maybe maybe you can give us all some fly fishing lessons while we're up there. Maybe you can show us how it's done. <laughs> Could do that. I, I think it's likely I'll I'll do some fishing at some point on that trip. In fact, we're I was talking to uh, Brady about maybe going up to the Echo Cabin, um, maybe like a, either before or after the festival. So, oh, there, we'll, um, are we'll we get some fishing in one way or the other? Are we getting echoes from Iron Ore round two? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've, I floated that to him once. He's like, eh, we'll, we'll see." <laughs> it was uh, it was kind of an ordeal, but yeah. but it, it it's one of those things where you know everything really came together despite a million things that could have gone wrong. And sometimes when things like that happen, like okay, I don't I don't ever want to try to recreate this because it'll never. It'll never work out as well. <laughs> That's that is a a fair point, and it it certainly certainly worked out great. So so people can find the album on on your website, com and I'm guessing they'll find the shows there. Do you have do you have a Facebook or an Instagram or any social media for anyone to look, look you up on? Yeah, I have a have an Instagram. It's actually relatively new. And um, is it all pictures of you fly fishing? <laughs> Not yet, but I'm sure that it'll probably go that way here before too long. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, you can you can find us on Instagram and then uh, yeah, echoesfromironore.com. And there's some a uh, little more information about the record on there and kind of cool photos of uh, of the recording process as well. Cool, and it it is well worth it to go to the website, folks, and, and check that out, and just kind of see see how they did it, how they built this, and and, and turn nothing into something. And it's it's a really cool. Really cool thing. Well, Chris, I got a, I got a couple of other questions for you that are, are kind of unrelated to the record. But I'm just kind of curious because you're a cool guy. You're doing cool things, and and I just I love I love asking this question to everyone that comes on the show, um, be, because you know we got a cool thing going in Minnesota. We got a cool music scene. It's pretty unique. I mean, we're not like Los Angeles or Nashville or New York or any of those things. It's it's different here, and so I like to ask all the artists that are that are sticking around, um, like what. 
What keeps you here? Why why uh, why are you setting up shop in Minnesota? What are what are the reasons for? Because I know one thing for sure: it's not the weather. <laughs> yes, yeah, an extreme place to live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think like a lot of folks, you know, you get you get kind of um, tied into friends and family and things like that. But you know, I, it's been um, as I've done some traveling, I'm I'm always really impressed with just the level of musicianship and um, some of the the really neat um, musical opportunities in in Minnesota and. Um, and also like Western Wisconsin and some of the kind of nearby places that you can tour to from here. And, you know, I think when you, when you see something like Blue Ox Music Festival, like we were talking about, and really understand the, the community of everybody kind of supporting each other and um, just these really kind of world-class musicians that a lot of them based right here in Minnesota, it's pretty impressive. It, it it really is, and you'll you'll be happy to know. Every time I ask that question, it's it's a variation on that same answer, and it just kind of warms my heart to know that like it, there there's not a whole lot of ego here. Everyone is just it's it's not all about them. It's it's about the music scene itself and, and helping everybody else and just making the best music possible. And I think that's such a cool special thing that we have here that. Uh, I mean, maybe other cities have it. Maybe they have it in like Boise, Idaho, but I, I don't think it's a thing that they have in like Los Angeles or anything like that, you know. And, and so I'm I'm just super super glad folks like you are are keeping that going and carrying that torch and and just building this scene here. So you know, th- thank thank you for that. That's that's what I wanted to say about that. Just thanks for doing that. Well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I'm excited. I'm going to do my first uh, trucker fest playing with uh, Modell this year in October. Yeah, nice. And, uh, another example of like the really cool community and you guys are a big part of that too kind of building that community well, well thank you we we do what we can we uh we couldn't do it without you guys because if it was if it was just me and sean up here playing guitar and banjo i don't think we'd have any listeners i i think <laughs> i think we'd be losing people pretty quick but um yeah no it, we we couldn't do it without you guys and that's gonna be super fun for for trucker fest for anyone who hasn't gotten their trucker fest tickets october 7th through the 9th we're gonna be up at the princeton fairgrounds go get them on happyproductions.live right now they are they're they're sixty bucks a pop right now, and Chris, you you you'll be able to speak to this too. So we're doing buy five tickets, get the sixth one for free. So when you go to a music festival, do you have that one friend who's always like, yeah, yeah, I'll go, I'll be there, blah blah blah, and they flake out or something happens or they never pay you back or, or whatever? Does, do you have that friend in your circle too? Yeah, I mean, well, I've been that guy. <laughs> I have too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, there's you know, I'll. I'll kind of wait till the very last minute you know that kind of thing yep. you know, yeah. you know, I, I, I know the I know the feeling and I've I've been guilty of it too so that's why we have buy five get the six free and then you can give it to that flaky friend or if you are that flaky friend keep that one for yourself um, but yeah so Chris is going to be there playing with Modell we got Eric Koskinen we got all sorts Dale Watson's headlining it's going to be an awesome time October in Princeton do some do some overnight parking over there in the fairgrounds have a little bonfire bonfire f- festival right so you know once the summer season is done and we're we, like me and Chris are just done sweating sweating our ass off at uh, at Blue Ox at the in the 95 degree weather enjoy some sweatshirt sweatshirt weather at uh, at a music festival right for a change I love it I, I like that fall weather a lot like you said it's bonfire weather for sure yeah it's 
It's perfect. Well, Chris, this has been such a pleasure to talk to you and, and talk to you about this. And I, I, we talked about this earlier before we were on the air, but I'm sure we said hi to each other at some point this weekend. And it's just this kind of became a blur over the Blue Ox weekend. Um, but it's been so nice talking to you. I got one more of your songs queued up here. Uh, I was going to play Shepherd's Roll from Echoes from Iron Ore for, for a little sign-off for us. Do you have anything to say about that song in particular? You know, that song is probably uh, the was the one written last. I probably wrote that song just a couple weeks even before the session. And, you know, I live in uh, St. Paul, kind of east side of St. Paul, and there's a, you know, during the the height of the COVID uh, era, or whatever you want to call it, there was a pretty sizable uh, homeless encampment right along Shepherd Road there. And then at one point, I guess there was a big fire Oh. And people, you know, had to kind of evacuate everybody out of there. And I think what, what struck me um, and what maybe kind of inspired the song was this idea of, like, this thing happening pretty close to where I live, but, you know, not even hearing anything about it for maybe, like, days or weeks and afterwards. Yeah. And, you know, how, how people, you know, we, we can we can sometimes get isolated from each other, and, and it's easy to... Um, kind of look the other way so that was um that was kind of the, the thought behind that too i i i love it and and kind of bring the conversation full circle about you know music trying to bridge that isolation and kind of bring people together and i think i think that's an awesome yeah. thing that that you're doing here so here here you have it everyone shepherd's roll uh from the echoes echoes uh, echoes from iron ore record from chris o'brien um we've been talking with chris for the past hour and and chris i'm gonna play the echoes from iron ore the rest of it on our uh the the fourth hour of the show so if you're listening to monday night live it's gonna be at nine o'clock if you listen to the sunday replay it'll be at two o'clock so i'm gonna finish playing the rest of the record because i think records like this should be listened to in their entirety um so i want to make sure that i give the whole thing a spin here this evening and yeah, no, I can't thank you enough for, for calling in and chatting with us here. It's been a ball, and I'm looking forward to, to seeing you at Trucker Fest, man. Yeah, sounds really good, Grant. It's been awesome talking with you. All right. You as well, Chris. Here it is, Shepherd's Row, Echoes from Iron Ore. You're listening to Glad You're Here on HappyProductions.live.